to down to down to yeah miffed and peeved miffed and peeved that's a way of saying like you're angry or you're mad don't be miffed and peeved miffed don't be miffed and peeved I'm the word it's a real it's a real it's a real it's a real one I don't use it in your vocab down to down yes this is Stephen Adams. Don't be miffed and peeved. No, you can't be miffed and peeved. Right. Sorry. This is Stephen Adams. You can't be miffed and peeved because you're listening to Down to Dunk. Welcome to Down to Dunk. This is your host, Andrew Schlecht. We're part of DailyThunder.com. We're also featured on Dash Radio Monday, Wednesday, Friday at 5 o'clock Central Time. So if you're listening on Dash, welcome to our show. We talk about the NBA and more specifically the Oklahoma City Thunder. With me today is my good friend, Michele Barra. Michele, how's it going? It's going great. I'm half vacation uh, in the mountains, so everything is great here. And, I mean, OKC is, let's say, we, we have a new year to, to talk about, so it's great. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're in a better spot than they have been. Uh, yeah. For sure, like their offense, their offensive rating is up to 14th, uh, right behind the San Antonio Spurs. So we'll we'll take that. I'll take being right behind the San Antonio Spurs in just about anything. Um, defensive rating, they're fifth, so they're they've fallen behind Portland by just barely. Uh, I suspect they'll be in the top four, at least the top, maybe even the top three to end the season. Um, but staying in the top five is still a good thing. Uh, this is. This is a good team. They're, I think they're ninth in net rating. Uh, they're tied for eighth in net rating with the Wizards. Uh, mm-hmm. It's a great basketball team. They do stupid stuff like lose to the Mavericks the other night, uh, which is just weird. And, you know, some of it is Robertson being gone. Um, but I'll tell you what, Robertson doesn't make that big of a difference, McKelly. What do you think about the game the other night? Yeah, I saw like basically the first half and then the last five minutes of the game, so it's it's not a complete picture. Um, but yeah, you, you you get the sense that when Robertson is there, all the defense is more sounded. Uh, the pick and roll coverage is better because uh, Adams and Robertson can generate a lot more turnovers just by hedging and trapping um, with good timing. They are they are the perfect duo. Uh, they remind me uh, they remind me a little bit of um, Tabo and Perk. Mm-hmm. That develop such a good chemistry. Then, if you if you slide like a, a regular defender, like I don't know a Jeremy Lamb, which was like sort of okay, maybe below okay um, defensively, uh, all the like the the rhythm and uh, the the soundness that they had is gone. So Adams is not good when he when he's not paired with Robertson defensively for some reason, or maybe it's just like just a coincidence. But yeah, I mean, to me, uh, it. You, you can see the defense being less uh, prepared overall without Robertson. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a it's a little concerning. I mean, I guess, I guess it's not like it's not a huge concern, but it's maybe more frustrating that they can't defend a team like the Mavericks, or they don't have the energy to defend a team like the Mavericks the other night. Uh, Josh Houston's got the start. Uh, Abrina started the other night against Milwaukee, and that ended up being a complete disaster. Mm-hmm. And so Josh started the other night against Dallas at home, and he was kind of a big nothing, right? I mean, he, yeah. he missed three threes. Uh, he 
he wasn't great on defense. Like he was just kind of there. He was like kind of a placeholder player. He didn't really impact the game one way or another. I didn't think. Yeah, I mean, it's weird. If you think about Milwaukee, you say, "Oh, of course, Josh need to start there because mm-hmm. they are long. Uh, he's okay when guarding like player with an average speed and with good length. This is what he does better, uh, in my opinion. Yep. And then against Dallas, you say, "Well, they have a lot of little guards. Maybe Abrines can can play more minutes against them because they will probably attack him from the dribble. But they is the chance that they will post him up." It's like it, it's less than than what they had in Milwaukee, and weirdly enough, Billy decided to do like the opposite thing. So to start Josh, which was ineffective uh, defensively against Dallas, and then starting Abrines, which was terrible, really terrible against Milwaukee. So it's it's kind of weird uh, to me that he decided to to use this kind of starting lineup uh, with Robertson missing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is weird. I guess a silver lining from all of this to me is one that the big three are playing a lot better and mm-hmm. they lost not because their offense was terrible. And that had been kind of the case with most of their losses to these bad teams earlier in the season is that they just couldn't make a shot. Uh, mm-hmm. This time they lost in a very different way is that they couldn't stop uh, Dallas for making shots and some of it was luck um, and, and certainly that Dennis Smith Jr. banker at the end of the game like yeah that's complete luck uh, but you don't want to leave the end of the game up to chance or up to luck like that when you don't have to uh, and I know Dennis Smith is good like he's a he's a fun rookie point guard but uh, he had some key plays at the end that didn't necessarily have to happen um, that the Thunder really could have prevented from happening at all. Uh, but it is what it is. Uh, you know, I looked at the schedule after that, really after Milwaukee. Like, I thought the Thunder would get up from Milwaukee. Uh, they were missing Paul George. I think they win that game if Paul George plays. Uh, and then they have the Giannis stepping out of bounds. Thing. Like, it was just kind of a disaster of a game all over. The first quarter it was <laughs> terrible. Uh, I thought really Billy... I haven't blamed Billy for a lot of things this season. I kind of blame Billy for that loss uh, because the way that he handled the rotations in the first quarter was so odd and it made no sense to me at all. You know, they they have a really big, long team, Milwaukee does. Mm-hmm. And he had a lineup of Russ, Felton, and Abrinas out there at one point in the first quarter. <laughs> and it's like, what are you doing? Why, why are you playing? Why are you playing those three versus Chris Middleton and Eric Bledsoe and Giannis or and Tony Snell? Like, what is going on here? It made no sense at all. Uh, and then when he started going to Jeremy Grant and to Josh Hustis later on, you add some length and athleticism. Oh, things get better. Really? Wow. Like, <laughs> I mean, it was just it was a it was a weird game, and I felt like the game was pretty much already lost. In that first quarter, uh, really, they were down thirty three eleven. Yeah, and they climbed back in. Awesome! They fought really hard, and they honestly, if the referees handle that game in the right way, the Thunder probably win that game because yes. Milwaukee's on the second night of a back to back. They're already exhausted. You can see it. You can see it in those two missed free throws from Eric Bledsoe. Like those dudes are tired. 
The Thunder were ready to pounce. Russ makes that three. The building is going nuts. And then Giannis makes that bucket, and the air is taken out of the building until the whoever's running the jumbotron shows Giannis stepping out of bounds like five hundred times, and every time like the crowd gets more and more angry <laughs> mm-hmm. until they stay after the buzzer to boo the referees. Uh, wow, it was it was pretty crazy, and you have Mello down there getting in the ref's ear, and uh, Stephen Adams was another one that was staying down there to talk to them. And then when they started to just walk off from them, I mean, everybody just lost it. It was, I mean, that was really bad. It was a really bad look for the NBA that night. Uh, I thought it really mm-hmm. sucked for the Thunder. Uh, you know, I feel like there's like two camps out there. Like one camp is the Thunder didn't lose the game in the last two minutes. They lost it in the first quarter. Or they lost it throughout the game with the mistakes they made. Or like the referees gave that game to Milwaukee. And I fall off like somewhere in the middle, <laughs> to be honest. Because yeah. I thought the first of the game was just so atrocious. Uh, but it does suck that they fought so hard to get back. Russ hit this amazing shot to base that should have sent it to overtime. He clearly steps out of bounds, maybe even twice. I couldn't really see on the second one. But that first one, he plants his foot out of bounds. Josh did the exact right thing and sent him out of bounds. Um, and the Thunder don't... You know... J- they say there would have been a review if there was a stoppage on the play where he, if Josh would have fouled Giannis on that play, then they could have reviewed it. Um, but it sucks that Josh was, he would have been rewarded for doing the wrong thing, which was fouling in that situation, which would have been an atrocious thing, but he would have been oh, rewarded yeah. for it. But he did the exact right thing and he, and the Thunder lose the game because of it. I mean, it was just, it was, it was a really frustrating game for a to, to be a Thunder fan, to to be watching that, it was, you know, it was very exciting to, like, very angering very quickly. Yeah, and also there are people, I mean, I, I also had, like, a, an extended conversation on Twitter uh, with, like, a lot of fans that were saying, I mean, you just displayed uh, a bad defense there. Hmm. And, and, yes, in some sense, um, since, like, since like when you are six years old uh, learning basketball, they told you not to leave the um, baseline open. Yeah. The issue to me was that Yanis was uh, let let me try to do the math in in uh, I have like the, the number in meters, so is almost two meters from the uh, the baseline, uh, which is what seven foot, mm-hmm. seven feet, seven feet from the from the baseline. I mean, like th- there is one player in the world that can cover that ground in one step and th- that player is Giannis yeah. so it's you you can say that Josh should have guarded the baseline he said it himself but he, if you rewatch that he was far away from the baseline it's just that he's so long then if you if you're not quick enough and Josh was quick enough um I mean, you, you, you can't guard him uh, driving the baseline uh, they, they said to me well they should let him uh, take a jump shot like Really? You want with with five seconds on the clock, your only worry is to close the baseline, uh, which you are like six to seven feet far from, from far off. So it, it was weird. Uh, I think that Josh did a great job, um, at least in a, like a subpar job against a player like Yanis. Um, 
and so yeah, it sucks that like the referees didn't have had the chance to uh, to look back at it, especially when like two weeks ago against or three weeks ago against Indiana, they reverted the call just because there was a stoppage and like a charge uh, is not a reviewable call. So if like when Yanis uh, scored the basket, the game is stopped. So the, the clock uh, is not going. And so you can re, um, go to the replay center. Um, I know that the rule says that uh, there has to be like some foul or something and they will probably change it. But I mean, it sucks. It sucks that, he, that in, they didn't see in the first place mm-hmm. uh, because they, they could have called it. Yanis would have finished anyway. Uh, and I don't know. I mean, I mean, at least it was it was a very bad uh, look to the referees. On the other hand, the, for the for the guys that said, "Well, they played a bad first quarter," think about how many teams played like horrible first quarter against OKC. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it happens that you play like a bad first quarter and then y- you climb back. And OKC had like all the things going right in the second half of the game. Actually, in every quarter, but the first. Uh, so yeah, I mean that loss was tough. I think that missing a guy like Paul George against Milwaukee is the worst guy to miss, and yeah. missing also uh, Trey was atrocious. Uh, so at the end, because I, I think he was injured at the end of the Milwaukee game, he wasn't able to to be on the court for the last possession. Yep, that's right. Everyone was asking why he couldn't be on the court, and it was because he had already gotten hurt, and he was limping pretty hard out of the locker room uh, after that game. So it's. I, I feel bad for Dre on a lot of levels. Dre hit a, Dre hit a huge three in that game too, um, yeah. against Milwaukee. You had two threes hit, you know, down the stretch by kind of two unlikely candidates, and uh, Andre Robertson who hit it in the corner, and then Josh Hustis hit a massive three down the stretch as well. Uh, I thought both were really good um, in that in that Milwaukee game. I also think that Patrick Patterson. I just feel like he's been playing really well. I feel like he encourages ball movement when he's out on the court. Uh, his dribble handoffs, I feel, really help that second unit quite a bit. And when I see him doing that, I'm like, oh, that will probably help the first unit too, or help these, uh, you know, help the big three some as well to have a guy out there that's going to move the ball and space the floor. Uh, but he just doesn't play all that much, uh, and for whatever reason. Billy continues to favor Jeremy Grant over Patrick Patterson. And the more I watch, I'm like, ah, I don't really know why. Like, Jeremy is, he's got a ton of energy, length, athleticism. Uh, but other than that, I'm not really sure what he's good at. Uh, he's really good at doing things emphatically, I guess. And he really gets the crowd going, uh, which is a good thing. Uh, but I feel like Patterson is a good passer. He might be a little bit better rebounder. He's definitely a better shooter. I just, and I know Jeremy Grant, he played a good game against Milwaukee. He really kept the thunder in it at times. Um, but I I don't understand the growing infatuation with him over Patrick Patterson. Do you, do you have any answer to this? No, uh, I'm on the same train. Actually, I mean, there are games like the one against Milwaukee where you can see Jeremy being effective because he hits shots and it, it is important to do that on a basketball court for sure. Uh, but then you see that defensively against teams that plays uh, against his weaknesses, which are like 
putting him in a pick and roll or letting him defending in space is not good at, at that. I mean, I get that uh, Dennis Smith is a good player, but he's a rookie, and he torched him uh, uh, in pick and roll situations like heavily mm. in the in the game against Dallas. I mean, I think that eight points that Dennis Smith scored in the last minutes were all against Jeremy Grant. Yeah. Granted, uh, the the bank of three is was a decent defense, but still the other one were terrible defensive plays, and and also. Yes, I th- I think that sometimes he gets hot from three or from mid range, but would you rather have Patterson shooting those well, free trees like open trees? For sure, you you want you want that. And so I don't really know uh, why Billy uh, loves him all that much. Probably because he's capable to play the center, while Patterson actually struggles playing the center, especially um, without a good defender with him on the front court. Mm-hmm. So that could be an issue. Um, but yeah, I mean, I would love to see Patterson with the starters. I'm, I'm all in for that. Uh, I would love to see him playing the four, even with Melo in. Um, just being the first subber, play him a lot with Steven Adams because we've seen that, that the pairing of Grant and Adams is not good. I mean, doesn't provide spacing. The defense is there with, against some team that maybe don't play a good brand of basketball. Like Milwaukee is very physical, but they don't run sophisticated thing. And so, yeah, I mean, I would love to see him more and probably it's up to the front office now if they want to unlock Patterson like they did last season with uh, with Abrines. Uh, either they move on uh, with Grant or at least it makes sense to move uh, or to move on uh, from Patterson because keeping, keeping him on the roster and playing him like sparse minutes to me doesn't make any sense. Yeah, I, I agree. And I, I do. I was I was thinking that exact thing that it does feel like an Abrinas situation with Patterson at this point. Or Abrinas didn't really get many minutes last year until after the trade deadline when Anthony Morrow was gone, uh, and then that kind of unlocked him a little bit. Uh, speaking of Abrinas, uh, he's been real terrible, and this is one of the guys that <laughs> I've been talking about all season that's supposed to help the Thunder. And his confidence looks shot. Like, he looks like a different guy out there. And it's really concerning to me because I do still feel like he can help this team. Uh, Defensively, I don't feel... I feel like this is maybe the worst defensive stretch of his career. Um, I don't... I don't know what to what to think. And the trade deadline approaches and everybody's like, we got to trade Alex Abrinas. And say, well... I don't disagree with that. I don't disagree that the Thunder should look to trade him, but with as bad as he's been, like what are you what are you going to get? Like you're going to bring back Ramon Sessions to the Thunder? Like I don't think so. Oh. I mean, I just don't I just don't know what they're going to get for him. Um, but what do you think about his poor play um, at this point in the season? I think uh, a lot of it is um, confidence issues uh, because he's. Like you can see him on the court, uh, he is not hunting shots like he did last season. He was, as Fred says in his last podcast, I mean, he was letting it fly uh, last season, basically at every chance. Mm-hmm. It was aggressive on offense. Now, with with the current uh, structure of the team, there are two issues. Uh, with the second units, uh, with the second unit where he mostly plays, there are no good screeners for him. And for some reason, they went away from the screening game between him and George because Felton likes to do other stuff with the ball. And 
uh, on the other hand, I mean, defensively, he's so bad while when people posting me up. Mm-hmm. It's it's terrible. I mean, he can't guard anything. And I think that he doesn't compete as well as, as he can. And also, he's been called, like, an enormous amount of fouls. Like, every time he guards, like, a player is, is an automatic foul or an automatic basket, mm-hmm. which is incredibly, like... Um, detrimental for the team uh, for now. Uh, I'm not out on the Abrina strain just because, I mean, I've, I'm, I've seen him uh, doing stuff on the court. It can help like a good team. Like He's a sharpshooter. He can use screens. Uh, think about Kyle Culver, Kyle Culver on, on Cleveland. If you have a guard like Wade that actually looks for him when he's on the move and you have guys that can screen for him like Tristan Thompson or like guys like that, you can have you can unlock so many things for the second unit that is struggling mostly offensively for OKC. And so it makes sense to have him, but if Donovan doesn't trust him and doesn't put him in the perfect way for him to succeed, then I'm not sure if uh, if he's of any use uh, coming playoff time from for OKC. And since OKC is not deep, uh, having a player like that uh, at the end of the bench that probably will not be used uh, in any playoff game I don't know if I don't know what to do I mean uh, again yes probably he, he still have like a good trade value be, because of what he did last season I think that front offices are smart enough to at least you need just one front office that actually likes him uh, to, to have a good trade so um, I'm not out on the idea of getting something back. You just have to find a really good suitor. Probably a guy like um, maybe the front office of Brooklyn uh, can, can can give you something for Abrinus because he has still two years on a very good contract and they can use shooters. So I don't know. Uh, I think that a lot can be done with five windows in this league, especially if you pair him with uh, either Grant or... Um, or Ferguson, if you want to get something good. So I, I think there, there are chances to get someone that actually Billy can trust uh, coming like playoff time. Yeah, I, I'm I'm with you. I still believe in Abrinas. I think that he could be a good player in this league. <clears throat> I just feel like he needs to be used in the correct way. And I really felt that like that Milwaukee game was just a confidence destroyer for him. Yeah, and yeah. it. I don't know. I just and Billy said that he wanted to give him a chance uh, that night to like gain confidence. I was like, well, "Why don't you play him against Delhi or somebody like that? Like, why are you?" Pl-? It just made no sense the rotations that he had that night. Uh, but the Thunder need to figure something out with their bench. Uh, the worst lineup that the Thunder have played all season. They played seventy-seven minutes together. Is Felton, Abrinas, George, Grant, and Patterson minus fifty-one on the season? Uh, that's just not okay to have that as your primary backup unit, and they just cannot produce any points. Uh, it's really weird. Like they're shooting thirty-six percent from the field, twenty-nine percent from three. Uh, it's they have twenty-three assists to twenty-two turnovers. Uh, it's been it's been bad, and it's been. You know, you know, a large enough sample size to see that it's just not working. But then when you sub, you think, oh, well, why don't we just put in Houston for Abrinas? Well, that's the second worst lineup at a minus 31. And they have <clears throat> six assists to 14 turnovers. <clears throat> Excuse me. And they're shooting 22% from three. And they're shooting 31% from the field. I mean, it, those, those bench lineups aren't working. 
And I don't know if there's a better combination that they could use or if they just need more guys. Uh, but for sure, these bench units with Paul George are just a disaster. And the team has to crawl out of that hole every time that that unit comes out there. Uh, but what's what's funny is that you take Paul George out of the equation and those bench units aren't as bad. And I don't really know how to explain that. Do you, do you have any explanation for that, McKelly? Uh You know what? I think that Paul has struggled uh, a lot playing alongside Felton for some reason. Mm-hmm. I don't know why. Because... Uh, in, in an ideal world, you, you, world you, you give the ball to Paul George and say, well, this is your unit. And for OKC, and he's close to the same that we had last season uh, with Kristen. You had Kristen that handled the ball and initiated the play, while Victor was basically standing out there waiting for a pass. Mm-hmm. And this season, you have a better player in, in, in Felton, for sure. Uh but you have George, which is a very good creator from the pick and roll. I remember us talking uh, this summer of how versatile George was, and he was able to create from pick and roll situations. Yeah. And so, I mean, isn't it be- wasn't isn't it better to to give the keys of the second unit to George and say, well, Raymond, just being a secondary creator for this team, uh, take maybe take you, you take the end off from Paul George. Yeah. And try to create when the defense has already moved. Because I feel like when uh, when Melo was playing with Felton, Felton immediately uh, searched Melo for a shot or searched Melo for a post-up, for um, isolation. It is clear, it was clear that Melo was the alpha dog in that second unit and all the second unit was playing for him. Including Abrines, uh, like moving to to uh, to take out uh, the double team and all this sort of stuff that actually made a lot of sense uh, at the beginning of the season. And I get what Fred says about I mean you don't want to to have Melo reverting back to his isolations, and that's that's okay. But now the first unit knows how to play, and so I think I think that maybe trying to go back to that because Melo is a great scorer. And that second unit is has a huge scoring issue, and so I don't know. Either you you make, in some sense, you make clear that George has to handle the ball immediately and has to create for himself and for others in the second unit, and you use Felton as a secondary creator, and maybe that can work. Or I'm not sure that that will would end up being like a good thing for OKC to have that second unit. Uh, maybe try to put Melo in there. Try to use Russ as a like as a first quarter closer uh, with either like with Abrines and Eustis maybe uh, and Robertson there. So you have a very very good second uh, like defensive uh, unit with I don't know. Let's put two defenders, three defenders with Russ and one shooter. And try to to, to to take points uh, out of that, and then you run with Felton, George, and Melo in the second unit, and maybe even Steven. So have like a, a strong second unit with, with a lot of guys and not Russ, just as they did against uh, like great teams like Golden State. So I I think that we have numbers enough to say that the second unit with George and Felton as a, a primary ball handler and no screeners, because I don't know have the, the numbers. Uh, uh, now, but how about having George and Adams in the second unit? I think that that is better. Mm-hmm. Like I don't see in in the negatives. So maybe they play like uh, like um, not many minutes together. 
be uh, reliable. But I think that something has to change there. Yeah. Uh, and the, the non-starter units, like the the the, um, the old bench unit, may be situational. But you need to have consistency. I think that this team now needs consistency badly. Players like Felton, players like Abrines and Patterson need consistency. And and I'm closing this one. So, uh, sorry, I, I I was too long. But I think that OKC is missing um, a small perimeter guy, not a big wing. I mean, they have players like Eustis and Robertson and uh, Robertson and and George that can guard multiple positions. I think that they struggle when they have multiple guard guards like little guards. Uh, on the other team, like mm-hmm. maybe uh, like Harden uh, and 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 Gordon, they put them in a lot of trouble. Even if uh, Robertson was playing at his best, so I wonder if you can find like a six four, six five guy that can play shooting guard position and it can be good uh, when matched against uh, ball handlers on the other team. Yeah, I mean they're definitely missing a guy like that to come off the bench. Uh, I think that's that's an interesting point, and you know, as the weeks progress here, we're in the first week of January, but you know, the trade deadline is quickly approaching. It's it's quicker than it than it has been in the past year. I think it's the first or second week of February. I'll have to look that up here in a second. But uh, yeah, the Thunder have, they've got to address some issues on their roster, and you know, I think I don't know where I land on how Billy handles rotations where. There's not a lot of consistency except for the starting lineup. The starting lineups played 440 minutes together this season. The next lineup that's played the most minutes is 93 minutes. And that's with Westbrook, Mello, Adams, with Abrinas, and Paul George. Uh, and then 77 minutes, 76, 57. And then from there, it's like a ton of lineups that play like 30 and 20 minutes together. And then you have all these lineups that have played like like 10 minutes together. And, you know, maybe part of Abrinas' struggle is that he just doesn't really know what to expect night in, night out, that he plays with different guys all the time. Uh, Same with Patterson. Same with a lot of these guys is that they, either you're adaptable to, you know, these lineups and to who you're playing with and what position you're playing, uh, or you're just not going to be any good. And, I, maybe that's a part of it. Uh, maybe not. I don't know. I just feel like maybe if Abrinas and Patterson would both get consistent minutes or would have from the start, uh, that you maybe would have seen a different bench unit. Um, but, you know, there's nothing you can do about that now. But I just wonder if consistent time would have been better for those two in particular who, you know, we thought going into the season that those are the two most important bench players. And... You know, we're in January, and they haven't been. And Abrinas, there's a case to just not play him at all now, which is not good. Not a good thing for this Oklahoma City team that doesn't have a ton of assets heading into the trade deadline. And I get that if he was shooting well and playing well, the Thunder don't want to trade him anyways. But, you know, what, I, I don't know. What what trade assets do the Thunder have? I mean, Terrence Ferguson, for sure, is an asset, uh, just because he's a young guy. He's 19 years old. He's a... He's a wing that has potential. Great. There's there's one trade chip. Uh, I think Abrinas is still somewhat of a trade chip. I think that there are teams that will like him, or you know, teams look at the the whole body of work. They don't just look at these past two weeks and just throw mm-hmm. it out. So I think that he has value around the league. Um, but yeah, we'll be we'll be digging in more on really on all of our shows to uh, 
to look at guys that the Thunder could target. We've already said guys like Courtney Lee. That I think Courtney Lee would be perfect for this team. I just don't know that the Knicks are in a position where they want to trade him yet. Um, but if the trade deadline approaches and they're on like a 10-game losing streak and they're just like, we just need to get assets in here. Um, you know, 32-year-old Courtney Lee isn't really helping the Knicks all that much going forward. You know, I feel like he would be absolutely perfect for this team. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but we can't root against the Knicks because it means that uh, we would have rooting, we, we are rooting against Ennis Kanter, and I don't want to do that. That's right. Because Ennis is also... <laughs> no, I mean, Courtney Lee would be perfect. Um, for this team, the, the issue would be then: what's your closing lineup? Are you closing with Robertson, or are you closing with Cornelie, or are you closing with both without Steven, uh, or you bench one of the big three? Uh, but it's a good problem to have, uh, I think. And yeah, Cornelie would be perfect. And yeah, in some for some reason, I mean, OKC has struggled to find the players like that throughout basically his history. Uh, mm-hmm. There was Tabo maybe one season that uh, was close to that kind of guy that can shoot the ball reliably from the three-point line and providing good defense. And yeah, he would be probably the perfect fit uh, with Russ and with the guy with the, with the other guys because his uh, his usage is not that high. It can be low because he, he he's just a good shooter and a good defender and a veteran as well that played in a incredible environment like the one in Memphis so I think uh, that he could be like the best player uh, for OKC but I really don't know if if he, if he is going to be available uh, anytime soon yeah yeah. I, I would almost doubt it um, but if there's any if you're looking for a guy he's, he's pretty much perfect for what OKC is missing uh before we move into this week's games, I want to tell you about Andy's Frozen Custard. You can go to Andy's today. If you live in Oklahoma City, there's a couple of locations. If you live in Missouri, uh, the Springfield area, <clears throat> there are a ton of locations up there. There are also locations in Dallas. Somebody tweeted at me the other day that they got the apple pie concrete and said it was so good. And it was like 10 degrees here in Oklahoma City. <laughs> um, but go get one of these treats tweet at me if you do go to andy's frozen custard it's really nice to know that you guys are supporting our show supporting andy's uh it really means a lot to me and also like you're just going to get something that's out of this world delicious and so right now you can get the apple pie concrete you can get the apple pie uh just your standard sunday uh they're just they're just so so good and my favorite right now is the candy cane concrete, uh, which is just little bits of candy cane mixed all in. It's so, so good. Um, I think that they maybe stop serving that very soon. So you got to go check that out today, literally. Uh, support the people that support Down to Dunk and go eat at Andy's Frozen Custard. McKelly, the, the Thunder, when I look at the, the week to come for the Thunder... I am terrified. I'm petrified because these are the t- kind of teams that the Thunder have lost to all season. Yeah. The Lakers, the Clippers, and the Suns. And by their record, it's like, oh, the Thunder play three bad teams. And to me, I'm like, this is terrifying because the Thunder, their specialty this season is losing to bad teams. <laughs> and they have a back to back in LA. 
which is just tough in general. There's no travel involved, which is nice, but just back-to-backs are tough. Uh, the Thunder have won back-to-backs this season. It's not something they haven't done, but I think it's going to be tough to win both those games. And then they go to Phoenix. Uh, and like these teams aren't good, but they're all pretty frisky. And they can all do something. They can all do good things on any given night, or they can just completely wet the bed. Um, but let's talk. We can start with the Lakers. Uh, the Lakers, I think they've won. Let's see. What's their record? 11 and 25. It's one and nine in the last 10. One and nine in the last 10. They're not a good basketball team, um, but they've got some fun players uh, on their roster. Um, what are what are your thoughts generally on the Lakers? We can dig in a little bit. I mean, it is a fun team to to watch, uh, especially when like the old gang is playing, like with Lonzo, with Kyle Kuzma, and uh, and all the the rookies that they they have. And I'm still like a Brandon Ingram believer. Uh, I I love the, the body type and the the talent there, mm-hmm. but so far, <laughs> I mean, uh, it's. It's not being like great as I expected him to be, but still he can he can go off for a uh, for a night. And so this is the the the, the main issue, uh, the main like problem with the Lakers is that in on any given night, like Kai Kuzma can, can score like thirty points and and like never miss a shot, like against Houston. So I mean it's it's a dangerous team to play, but I think that against the, this team, Russ needs to be like in defense mode on uh, uh, type of night. Like, the last two games, it wasn't good defensively. At least not in the first quarter against Milwaukee and probably not for the entire game against uh, against Dallas. Uh, against Dallas. So, I think that with Lonzo out, uh, they will have like a different rotation in terms of point guard. Uh, if Lonzo will be out, I, I think it's listed as out as of now and not day-to-day, so he will probably miss the game. Um, and so, if if Russ uh, is good to go uh, defensively that game, uh, I think that Steven can do like a nice job against Brook Lopez, even if he's he likes to 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 step out of, uh, of the three point line and, and try trees. Um, I think he's not as much as a threat as others like um, like shooting bigs. So all the I mean, as we said many times, I mean I think that. What can get uh, OKC into trouble if they can if they go out they go lazy they can stop like the second unit with Clarkson and and Vandal which is like probably the best the, the um, one of the players that can put OKC into trouble because he will likely play against Melo and that matchup is like especially because he's a great pick and roll finisher is probably the best in the league as of now at least it was one week ago uh, in terms of efficiency coming from uh, like pick and roll situations and so that part of the game can be worrisome uh, to me uh, if they can stop the pick and roll uh, with Melo I think that they have to adjust and I'm not sure how especially if Robertson is not playing how deep the Thunder can be to uh, to put guys uh, that can guard that kind of pick and roll mm-hmm. yeah ball is he just hasn't played the past five games, and it's, they're uncertain if he's going to play Wednesday. Uh, KCP, have you heard about this situation with him? I know a little bit about it, uh, but he violated his probation. Uh, he was on oh, probation. Wow. And for, I can't remember how long it is, like 60 or 90 days or maybe maybe less than that, uh, he can't go on the road. 
he can't play any road games. So he can't leave the state of California. I guess he can play road games against the Clippers, obviously, um, and can play against Golden State and against Sacramento, but he can't leave the state. And so he can only, so he has to check himself into like this, like jail, I guess. I don't know what it is. Um, he has to check himself in when he's not uh, doing his job, which is like going to practice or in games and stuff like that. And so he hadn't played the last two games uh, because they're on the road. And so I guess he could play against the Thunder Wednesday <laughs> yeah. because it's in L.A. But it's it's a very weird situation that I have heard very little about. And I don't know why it's not really getting covered all that much. Maybe maybe it's just not that great of a national story. But and I know, I'm sure that the Lakers, the people that are covering the Lakers, and if you you know look deep into the situation, you you see a lot of coverage for it. But just nationally, I feel like it's been something that hasn't been talked about a lot. Uh, and it's super weird. <laughs> that, that's it happening. is. I've never even heard. I've never heard of a situation like this with an NBA player. Yeah, and I. I guess it's not ideal for a locker room standpoint. Right. Because I mean, you yeah, have like, this guy. Yeah. We're missing you, you know, on these last two games. We could have really used a defender out there. And it's because you personally screwed up. It's, it's odd. And then Brooke Lopez is out with an ankle um, injury. He sprained his ankle is, a few weeks ago. Is definitely out because I, I, I watched his day today status. Uh, I'm not sure. I mean, I yeah. on ESPN we wasn't definitely out. So, okay. But if he's out, then again, if he's out, then um, yeah, no. Okay, I, I have to click on full injury report. That that's better. Um, yeah. So, I mean, if he's out and basically Randall plays the four, uh, the five, then I think that uh, it will be a fun game because I love seeing Adams uh, defending the pick and roll and. Um, and that that thing can be actually an interesting thing to watch. Mm-hmm. Yeah, overall, this is a really it's a young team still. They play Brandon Ingram quite a bit. KCP plays a lot when he when he does play. He's still only twenty four years old. Uh, I kind of wish we could see Lonzo play because uh, he's just a fascinating guy. He hasn't been great this season, obviously, and that's been covered a lot. Um, Kuzma, I'm excited to see what he can do. Uh, this is, they're just kind of a fun team. Uh, I hope that the Thunder can just absolutely stomp them, though. Um, <laughs> just because there's so much of the Paul George to the Lakers kind of thing. And I feel like both teams are going to want to show out a little bit. And the Lakers, because there's the Paul George, the rumor that Paul George wants to go there, uh, they're going to want to play well. They're going to want to show that they have young guys that can build upon you know, you know something, and then the the Thunder. You know, if you're Russell Westbrook, like you want to just demolish these guys, and then look at you know Paul after the game. So you want to play with these guys? You want to go play with <laughs> them? Uh, so uh, it's there's going to be a lot of motivation behind this particular game uh, that are kind of outside the lines a little bit. So it's it's a fun matchup in that way, and it it's a game that. You know, you worry about the Thunder getting up for these bad teams, and I discussed that before we started talking about the Lakers, but I think the Lakers are kind of an exception to that rule, or at least I hope they are, because I feel like there's an extra motivation for them to to beat this team because this is the, you know, you don't hear of a, you haven't heard of a true real destination for Paul George other than L.A., 
And so, and there people rumor all sorts of other crap, but like these are things that have been said. Uh, and so it's it'd be nice for OKC to go into the Lakers and just stomp them and show Paul George that these these guys suck. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, I was I was at the summer league this uh, past July, yeah. and I watched Lonzo live. It is exciting. It's like it's exciting to see him play. Um, watching him in the summer league, I didn't anticipate him being okay defensively. Yeah. Um, I, I I don't agree with the narrative that he's great, a great defender by any means, mm-hmm. but he's serviceable on that end. And and in summer league, he wasn't guarding anyone by even by chance. I mean, he like there was no chance that Lonzo was in the right spot defensively, and so. If if that is him deciding to do so, it's impressive. If it's like the schemes that helping him, and I think it's a bit a little bit of both, uh, it's still a very good thing for the Lakers. Uh, to your point, I I would love to see the Thunder excited and uh, on killer uh, mode um, against the Lakers, mm-hmm. but I I really don't think that the decision of Paul George has anything to do with the current Lakers uh, roster. Sure, sure, sure. But like like. Not a bit. Not even if like uh, Ingram went for like Ingram and Kuzma combined for a hundred point. Mm-hmm. I don't think it makes any difference in Paul's mind. He he knows. He, he really knows that in order to win, that he needs stars. Yeah, and and not stars on the making. He needs so, LeBron, basically. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. He needs LeBron or he needs... I mean, if it's LA, for sure. Uh, if it's the Lakers, for sure. Uh, if it's other situations, like even... I, I don't want to say that, but even the Warriors? Uh, I mean, he knows that in order to win, he needs budding stars. Like in prime or in LeBron's prime, which probably is eternal. Uh, given how he's playing this season. Mikel, I don't know if I can handle Paul George leaving the Thunder to go to the Warriors. Like, I just don't know if I can emotionally handle something like that. So <laughs> I don't, I can't even think about something. Uh, well, like it, it has to do with, uh, by a sign and trade. Yeah. Uh, probably. They, they cannot slide him in. Uh, right, right, right. Yeah, there's, there's no, like, crazy cap loop that's coming up here <laughs> for no, the Warriors that, again. I would, oh my gosh, I would lose my mind if something like that happened. But um, what, 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 what question? Sorry, sorry. Yeah, I, now I have to tell me. Uh, will, will you be mad if the Thunder get Clay Thompson in uh, a signing trade? No, no. Me neither. I think it's probably apart from George, which is probably a better defender and a better overall player. I think it's the perfect play, player to play with Russ in some sense. I love Clay so, Thompson. I lo- I- me, me too. I hate him and love him. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, that was, I think that someone, uh, it's it's not like uh, something, something that I came up with. I, I heard this somewhere. Will the Warriors uh, do that, though? Oh. He is, he, he's probably more perfect for the Warriors than he is for the Thunder, though. They can be cocky enough to do it if he has like maximum player ex- salary. Like if he wants a maximum salary, yeah, I think that they can look and try to do it because I mean, overall, Paul George is a better player for sure. Yeah, yeah that, I would, I would still be mad, but at least the Thunder would get something out of it. It will be, yeah, it will be not the worst thing that the Golden State did to Okisi. Well, the Golden State did anything to Okisi actually. Yeah, <laughs> but. 
yeah, sorry, sorry for for bringing this up. Uh, yeah, uh, you're. Uh, I'm so mad right now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the Clippers on Thursday night. The Clippers are 16 and 19. They're sitting at ninth in the West. Like they're not out of this playoff hunt, uh, and it's not really any of their own doing. It's because the. <laughs> The rest of the West has kind of sucked. Actually, I, I'll say that they have won five out of their last six games. Uh, the only mm-hmm. game that they've lost was against Memphis. Um, but Blake is back. Uh, the only guys that are sitting out, Pat Bev, we know, had to have microfracture surgery um, on a torn meniscus. Uh, Gallinari is out. He's, he has a partial right tear in his right glute and will miss about six weeks. And then Austin Rivers sat out with an Achilles strain. And he... I mean, he could play by Thursday. We don't really know. So, uh, those are the injuries that they have right now. If you're, if you know, we know the Clippers. They'll probably have about forty other injuries before we get to Thursday night, and this will <laughs> all be irrelevant. Uh, but this is a this is a, an interesting team. You know, with Blake being back, they have star power with he and DeAndre and uh, Tay Dosich is super fun, and they've been a lot better since he's come back. He encourages a lot of ball movement and is a fun player. Uh, Lou Williams, uh, as always, is just can score the basketball. Like he's been really good for them. Uh, this is kind of a frisky team. They're not a great team, uh, but they're playing well now, and they're you know heading you know into this stretch where they need to figure out if they need to trade DeAndre or if they're going to hold on to him and try to make a playoff run or if it's even worth it. So they they're in, entering a really interesting stretch for this for themselves, but. Uh, what are your overall thoughts on the Clippers and the Thunder's matchup with them? So, if you look at the schedule they had in the last 15 games, uh, they had two great wins against, well, three game win, uh, great wins against um, the Wizards, the Raptors, and the Rockets, even if the Rockets are not playing a great brand of basketball as of late. And then they basically won against bad teams, mm-hmm. which is one thing that we we will regret as a Thunder fan throughout all the season. So they handled the Hornets, they handled the Lakers, they handled the Kings, the Suns, the Magic. So all the things, uh, I mean, this all speaks to me as a team that will not be beaten by himself. So they will compete. And OKC, I I see OKC going uh, against them, um, not maybe 100%, mostly because Russ has to guard like a player that he doesn't respect by mm-hmm. like any means because he doesn't know him uh, in Milos Teodosic, which has like probably the best stories, basketball stories in Europe. Um, there are like great, great stories again uh, about how Milo is handling his defense, uh, his defense's assignment, uh, which is which is hilarious. There, are, uh, there was a pod uh, that Nate Duncan made with um, uh, with a guest, with a player that plays that played with Milos, mm-hmm. and basically was his Patrick Beverly of the time. So the, the guy was supposed to cover, supposed to cover for Milos' deficiency in the, on the defensive end, uh, which, which, and it's great, uh, and this part is is incredibly awesome. Is Milos is fully aware of that and makes jokes about his own defense. So <laughs> he, awesome. he's a, yeah, yeah, he's a great player. And then there is Lou Williams, which is one of the players that um, is. Like usually, he gets off against the Thunder. Yeah. Uh, he did last season with LA. He did last season with the Rockets, and so I think this is a very uh, important game for OKC. It is a back-to-back. Uh, I 
I hope they can do something like they did against Utah uh, in the back-to-back in the week before uh, Christmas, where we all expected them to to go out and have their usual loss, um, because it will be very important if they if they can get both of these LA wins, mainly because Minnesota is is on a good streak, and so if they want to have a chance to take the like the four seed, they have to win games now. Uh, and as you said. The Clippers have depleted, and but there's still Blake Griffin, and so I mean this will be an exciting, uh, exciting game, uh, no matter what. I think that so like if I were like uh, the management of the Clippers, I I will I will look hard on trading DeAndre now. Yeah, like hard. Um, because there are teams in need of a good rim protector, teams that maybe uh, found themselves in a better situation that they thought, like like Boston, like switch the answer of Jordan and Aaron Baines. I mean, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. For, for Boston, oh, they, yeah. they they have the asset to get him. Oh yeah, like they can they can ship they can ship Baines a first round and Marcus Morris, which is like a cancer in their system, uh, and get uh, and get DeAndre like easily with a with a good pick, mm-hmm. and they can afford it. And what if like Gord- they know that Gordon Hayward can return for for the playoffs? I mean, I would pull the trigger. I know that he will be expensive coming next season, probably the one after that. But man, that defense would be. Amazing with DeAndre in it, you and the lob game. You just slide Horford to the four, though. Oh, he can play the four. Come on, I mean, he, he can play. Um, I would give him minutes at the five, but maybe in different situation. And you can afford to have like one of the two out there all the time. And this is terrifying for other teams because you have a great defender all the time on the court as a big man, which helps a lot because as soon as Stephen Adams gets out of the court with OKC, like the defense drops unless you have like a very switchy unit that, that can hold it. But I mean, the under can cover for a lot of mistakes that the defense does. And Horford is the same yeah. in different ways. So I don't think that they are not like, they cannot play together on defense. On offense, I mean, they, they can. I mean, Al can stretch the floor as, as good as any other big man. So sure. Yeah, that's, that is really interesting. Yeah, no, I agree that they should look to trade him. And they could probably get, I don't know, they could get maybe a late first rounder for Lou Williams. It feels like the price for Lou Williams at the trade deadline every year is a first round pick. Um, and they could be the latest team to cash in on the Lou Williams for a first round pick at the trade deadline. Um, but he can still really help a lot of teams, I feel like. Um, yeah. And if he could defend a little bit, he could really help the Thunder. But I just don't know having a guy that has to have the ball in his hands to score and taking the ball out of the big three's hands is such a great idea for OKC. Um, although it worked really well for Houston last year, but um, he, he's a, he's at least very interesting player at the trade deadline once again. Uh, and if you're the Clippers, I mean, if you're, I mean, I don't know, is it worth it for them to make the eight seed? Like, I, I guess, I guess the answer is probably Yes. Because mm-hmm. they, you know, they miss they're missing Chris Paul, and it kind of shows that like they can still be a franchise that competes. And so, if they're in this same spot in February, you know, I would honestly be a little surprised if they do trade DeAndre and if they do trade Lou Williams. That it would, 
they may even try to upgrade in some spot. You know, I'm sure they have a lot of they may have a lot of regret over the the Gallo signing already. Uh, one because Poor Gallo. he keeps getting hurt, and he's just really hadn't been any good this season. He's shooting 34 yeah. percent from the field, 25 percent from three. I mean, he has had when he has played, he has just not been any good. Um, he's making a lot of money, but it's just been it's been a tough, <laughs> tough season for Danilo Gallinari, um, and the Clippers probably have a lot of regret over that signing that big deal for him. Uh, but yeah, I, this is this is an interesting team. Uh, the Thunder should roll them, but um, you know, we'll see. You know, <laughs> the Thunder are the Thunder, and <laughs> they don't they don't do things that they should do most of the time. Uh, speaking of that. The Phoenix Suns, uh, I just have a couple more minutes. Michaela, we can go over them real quick. Yeah. Uh, the Phoenix Suns are 14 and 24. They sit at 11th in the Western Conference. Uh, they've got a ton of young guys. Uh, Brandon Knight's out. He had, tore his ACL early in the season. Um, and then they've got guys like Devon Reed, who's not going to play. Alan Williams. Uh, some guy named Daniel House, who I've never heard of. Um, and... Their young team, Devin Booker, is their leader. TJ Warren's been really good for them. Uh, they still have veterans on their team. I think we've talked about them. That these are buyout candidates like Tyson Chandler, Greg Monroe, uh, Jared Dudley, guys like that. Uh, I think have a shot to be bought out if they ask. Um, Josh Jackson is their high lottery pick, uh, who hasn't been great. To you know at least shooting to start the season. He's 56% from the free throw line, 23% from three, 37 from the field. Um, he's kind of struggled for them. Uh, what are your, what are your thoughts on, give me your quick thoughts on the Suns, and then uh, we'll get out of here. Yeah. I mean, uh, you said it all. I mean, I, I love Devin Booker. It was one of my favorite player, um, and two years, like three years ago, mm-hmm. and to come in draft time, um, I would love to to see if Robertson play against them because uh, yeah. I think yeah. he can he can do a better job, a good job against Devin Booker. I also love Tyler Tyler Ulis, which is yeah. he's a good point guard, a very good point guard. Um, like it's not Isaiah in terms of cockiness and ability to score, but man, he's a very good floor general. And yeah, as you said, from the buyout standpoint, I mean, Dudley is playing six minutes. Uh, Tyson Chandler is playing a lot, uh, but probably to boost a bit. Um, maybe they can trade him. I'm, I'm not sure. He has still 26 millions. I, uh, I see this as unlikely. And Moreau is not playing. So uh, I think that is an automatic decision to, to buy him out. I pr- probably they made a trade with this thought already. Josh Jackson, I don't really know what to make of him. He has flashes flashes to be like a very good uh, hard-nosed defender, like uh, a shot maker, um, an athletic guy. So he has it all, but so far uh, he hasn't shown uh, like consistency and the ability to play in a system. And last thing, I mean, let's hope to not have like um, an inbound with a few seconds uh, on the clock and the game tie, because Triana will probably make the most of it. Right. <laughs> That's exactly right. Explain explain yourself on that one. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, uh, the, the the coach of uh, the Phoenix Suns, uh, he basically found this rule that when you are inbounding the ball, um, there is no goaltending on that. So you have you can shoot the basket directly, like from the from the inbound play, and any player can touch it, even if it's above the rim, because that is not a shot. 
And so the goaltending rule uh, is also about is always uh, only about shots. And so basically, what they did, and he waited 15 years to do so in a crap game against I don't remember who <laughs> Memphis. Uh, Memphis. Okay, uh, so basically Bender shoot perfectly from the, uh, from like the far side into the basket, and basically Tyson Chandler Tyson Chandler just dunked. Uh, tip it when it was over the basket and mm-hmm. uh, it counts as a basket with 0.3 or 0.4 seconds to go and so it was a very smart play i don't know why he did it in a like normal regular season game but <laughs> but it was good to see it, it was. was good to watch <laughs> yeah the, i think people have to be prepared for that now and people need to be using it it's pretty amazing that he discovered oh, yeah. that loophole yeah i mean when you have like less than a second it is probably like if you have a timeout and you can advance the ball, then think about the game that OKC lost against Milwaukee. Yeah, uh, you have crazy good jumpers, and if you shoot from the like, the, like the side, um, it's it's not an impossible shot to make first. Uh, and so you ha- you just have to to say to Steven, just touch it, and it's a basket. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I think the teams will use it. Yeah, yeah, they absolutely should. Uh, Michele, thanks for coming on the show today. We can follow you on Twitter at Mikey Barra. Uh, we can check out your stuff uh, at chart underscore side on Twitter. Uh, you can follow us at down to dunk. Uh, Happy New Year, everybody. We appreciate you guys listening. We look forward to another great year of podcasting and a Thunder basketball with you guys. Uh, thanks for coming along for the ride with us. We appreciate all of you. Uh, hope you guys have a great day. We'll talk to you guys again tomorrow. I'm going to do a podcast with Matt Craig midday tomorrow so we're coming at you with two quick pods before uh the lakers have their or the thunder have their back-to-back with the lakers and clippers um and we hope you guys have a great day and we'll talk to you soon